1: Take A move that I make I give it everything I got Cause that what it takes I push the limit till it break The heart of the brave The soul of a legend with the will to be great Hold
0: up Welcome <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody I love everybody What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly. Stephen A. Smith coming at you, as I always love to do, several times during the week, right here on No Mercy with yours truly. As usual, I'm here in my studios. Thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And by neighborhood, I mean New York City. Now, I understand And some of y'all out there, don't give a damn. Especially when it comes to New York Knicks, after all, what the hell makes them relevant? Because you're the New York Knicks. You ain't been to a conference final since 1999-2000 season. That's 23 years, by the way. You've only been past the first round once, which was 2012-2013 when Mike Woodson was coaching. Now the head coach at Indiana University, coaching the Hoosers. But he was the head coach of the New York Knicks at the time. Jason Kidd was a point guard. Carmelo Anthony was a star. Okay, back then when they got out of the first round and then they ran into Roy Hibbert in Indiana. I remember. Carmelo Anthony makes that block, makes that dunk come in baseline and doesn't get it swatted away by Roy Hibbert. That would have been a game seven at the Garden. okay? but let me tell you something right now. As a native New Yorker born in the Bronx, raised in Hollis, Queens, New York City, these moments. Moments like what took place this Sunday afternoon at Madison Square Garden, packed house, orange and blue skies, baby, orange and blue skies, with the world descending upon the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden. It was raining. The skies were gray. I mean, everything looked gloomy right up until tip-off time and right when tip-off time was arriving. As people were rushing into Madison Square Garden to see the New York Knicks versus the Cleveland Cavaliers for game four of this Eastern Conference Finals first round series. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland and the crew, when they were going up against these two, right before tip off time started. The sun. Came out. The clouds dispersed. And it was Sunshine. That's what it was. That's the first indication. God was on our side. That's what happened. You understand what I'm saying? He parted the clouds and he let the sun come shining. And the sun shined right down upon Madison Square Garden. And despite a pathetic, putrid performance from Julius Randle that got him bitched in the, first, in the fourth quarter, it didn't matter. Despite Emmanuel quickly struggling with a shot, it didn't matter. Despite Darius Garland going berserk in the second half, it didn't matter. Because the New York Knicks found a way, courtesy of Jalen Brunson, 29.6 rebounds, 6 assists, 50% shooting from the field. R.J. Barrett, who was so pathetic in the first two games, I was wondering whether or not he should even be benched. He showed up in game three and balled That had 21 points in the first two games combined in games one and two, had 19 in game three, dropped 26 today. On Sunday afternoon, rather. 26 points of 50% shooting. Mitchell Robinson was a formidable foe on the front line. Mobley and Josh Allen, there was but so much that they could do. Obi Toppin made contributions. Josh Hart made contributions and had a good game. And he was pestering. Donovan Mitchell, the great Donovan Mitchell, all afternoon long. And that Donovan Mitchell shot one of nine in the second half. That Donovan Mitchell only finished with two points in the second half, 11 points for the game. And the New York Knicks won, and they are up 3-1 in this best of seven first-round Eastern Conference finals, Eastern Conference first-round series. And as a result, they are one way from advancing beyond the first round for the first time since 2012-2013 season and only for the second time since the turn of the century It's the turn of the century and let me tell you something right now if you think for one second that that is not a reason for me to be happy you haven't been paying attention because ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something when it comes to sports there is such a thing as misery. I know that we're supposed to have perspective. And I know that at the end of the day, we're supposed to look at it as just a game. But it's not just a game, damn it! It's not just a game. Not when you have suffered. Not when your excitement, your enthusiasm, your enthusiasm, your expectations, your hopes and your dreams have been deflated one time after another time, after another time, after another time, for the last 50 years. 50. 5 zero, 50. The New York Knicks have not won a championship since 1973. This has caused a level of Misery, inferiority complexes, insecurities, skepticism, negativity, and beyond that you couldn't possibly fathom. Somehow, some way, they always fall apart. Now, back in the day, in the 90s, when Michael Jordan was raining terror over the league, you can look at the New York Knicks situation in a couple of ways. Number one, you can look at them, as being highly competitive. Eastern Conference semifinals appearance, like 12 consecutive years. Constantly knocking at the door. Dave Chekett's the president at Madison Square Garden. Pat Riley was a coach. Ernie Grunfeld was an executive. And they gave you this hope. That somehow, some way, they were going to dethrone Jordan. They lied so good. They really did. Because we really believed it no matter how much we saw Jordan, no matter how great we knew he was. We just said, you know what? This is our time. We're going to take him this time. We knocked on the door when we had the likes of Xavier McDaniels and others. Okay. And then we had Oakley and Ewing and Starks and all of these boys. And that damn Charles Smith couldn't make a layup getting a shot blocked five times. Somehow, some way. We thought we would find a way, but something always happened. Jordan retires, goes, plays, baseball. We take out Chicago in seven games. Yes, we were, home. we were helped by the Hugh Hollins bogus call in favor of Hubert Davis against Scottie Pippen with Phil Jackson, bad hips and all, bouncing, jumping up and down the sideline. He could believe how awful the call was. That was true. And then after that, we still won a series of seven games. We still came back and beat Indiana. And we went to the finals. And it was a game seven. And John Starks shoots two for 18. Two for 18. From the field, one for 11 from three-point range. And the Knicks' hopes went fluttering away. For some reason, against Akeem Olajuwon, Kenny Smith, and and, and Robert Ory and all of these brothers, Otis Thorpe and these cats, Pat Riley, who acquired Derek Harper from the Dallas Mavericks during the season, who, and and, 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 I'm sorry, Rolando Blackman, I apologize, him too, who was, I mean, the man was a shooting specialist. And Pat Riley left him on the bench and never put him in the game. I mean, you just can't make this up. I can go through, how about Ewing the year after with the finger roll that wasn't, how about that? There has been so many moments of palpable misery. New Yorkers take what we can get. One of the most depressing moments of my of my of my sports life was when Kevin Durant decided to listen to Kyrie Irving and go to Brooklyn instead of Madison Square Garden. Because let me tell you something: if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were at Madison Square Garden with that crowd, with that euphoria, with how excited. And tantalizing and transfixed the basketball world would have been upon New York City and Madison Square Garden. They wouldn't be in Dallas and Phoenix, respectively, right now. You, you could not have gone to a more intoxicating environment than would have existed for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had they elected to come to New York City instead of Brooklyn. But they didn't do it. And so here we are. And even with this team, even after Leon Rose messed up and missed out on Donovan Mitchell because he wanted to hold on to Grimes or R.J. Barrett or Emmanuel Quickie, whichever damn player it was. Whichever, I care right now. We missed out. And I came into these playoffs saying one thing and one thing only. The New York Knicks cannot be sent home by Donovan Mitchell. Despite 47 wins and a top five seed in the Eastern Conference, if the New York Knicks lost to Donovan Mitchell's Cleveland Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, who is a New York native, Elmsford, New York, to be exact, 24 miles away from Madison Square Garden, to be exact, if that Donovan Mitchell did not end up in a New York Knicks uniform and then he end up sending you home in the postseason, the season is an abject failure. I said it and I meant it. And the New York Knicks have answered the call. Four games in, they stole game one in Cleveland. They held home court in games three and four in New York. They go back to Cleveland. They'll probably lose. I'll concede that. Donovan might drop 50 in game game five. But game six is a different animal. You see, the garden is a special place. And I don't know how to really explain it to you. You know, it could be rats in the building for crying out loud. You know, like Penn Station is under there. You know what I'm saying? For all we know it's possums living in the walls, just like it exists in Oakland Coliseum for crying out loud. I don't know. What I do know is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When it comes to the New York Knicks and the Mecca, it takes a true Bonafide fide superstar, first tier superstar to offset and overcome the onslaught that is brought down upon you. I love me some Donovan Mitchell. He's spectacular. But he can't do it by himself. He need help. You know something? <laughs> he ain't going to get it. He ain't going to get it. Not this series. It's over. It's a wrap. New York, stand up. New York, stand up. New York, stand up. We going to win this, baby. That's what I got to say about that. Orange and blue skies. It looks so beautiful as the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs are upon us. We just need one more, baby. And we going to get it. I got a whole bunch more to discuss. Don't you go anywhere. We got some playoff action to discuss because Golden State obviously had a big-time win against Sacramento. Look, at the end of the day, Steph Curry's that dude. Klay Thompson, he dropped 26. He's that dude. Draymond Green came back, couldn't afford to lose to them. You can't lose. You can't win with Draymond suspended in game three. And then he comes back on the court, and you lose with him on the court in game four. That would have been a very bad look for Draymond Green. So the fact that the Warriors handled their business and won Game 4 as well and has evened up this series, Sacramento's in trouble. I think the pressure's on them for Game 5 because here's the deal. Game 5 and Game 7 is in Sacramento, but Game 6 is back at the Chase Center in San Francisco. Sacramento don't want to come back there. I'm not saying they can't win at Golden State because we know they can. These brothers know how to win on the road. It was a tough game, 126-125 and outcome. De'Aaron Fox is that dude. He's a bona fide superstar, y'all. Yes, I got an argument that I got over Magic Johnson. I told him to draft that brother. Hell with Lonzo Ball. De'Aaron Fox is that dude. Should have drafted him. But he didn't. And that's the way it goes. We understand all of that. All I'm wishing for. See, I don't lose. Second round, in all likelihood, is going to be Lakers. Versus. Golden State or Sacramento, that, that, that's the line. because I think they're going to beat Memphis. Ja came back, dropped 45. I get all of that. But the reality is, is that Memphis is too unpredictable. They ain't trustworthy. You can't come out there in, in, in game three like that and get blitzed 35-9 to nine in the first quarter, like they did Saturday night. Be down 38-9. to nine. Before Ja Moran and them had a chance to pass gas, they were down damn near 30. That can't happen. That's not productive. Dylan Brooks getting suspended. Not suspended, I'm sorry, getting ejected. He's not going to be suspended game four. I like that decision by the NBA. He didn't need to be suspended. But you Dylan Brooks, you don't hit somebody in the balls, man. You don't hit a man in there. You know that. That's a crime to hit a man in that area. It is a crime. We ain't even comfortable with turbulence in that area let alone direct contact turbulence in that area is uncomfortable. You might as well be 40,000 feet in the air when that turbulence hits you in that area. That's not good. Any man knows this Dylan Brooks knows it too. Had no business hitting LeBron James there. LeBron James, The extraordinary actor that he is. Go see Trainwreck if you don't know what I'm talking about because he did a hell of a job in that movie. LeBron James put on his acting chops. I got that. But he still got hit in the privates. In the family jewels. You don't do that. You don't do that, Dylan Brooks. Shame on you. Don't you have a girl? I mean, what if LeBron had done that to you? I mean, will you be able to uh, uh you know perform? You can't do that. And obviously, I'm saying girl, because I assume he's a heterosexual, like I'm a heterosexual, even though we recognize and we must be sensitive to the fact that uh, there's uh, uh homosexuals, there's uh transgender people and all of that stuff. but I'm not thinking about that with Dylan Brooks. I'm making an assertion and an assumption. That he's like me. you like the opposite sex. You don't mess around with that. You guard yourself. How dare you do something like that? What a crime? What a crime? Come on, man. Can't do that. But I'm glad he wasn't suspended. Because as I said before the game, LeBron James had to bust his ass. Because of the way he was talking about LeBron coming into the game. He left most of that to Anthony Davis. And we've seen a regular formula here. When Anthony Davis shows up and performs, the Lakers win. When he's comatose and he doesn't look the part, they lose. Without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark on the front line, two guys, that, two big men that are out for the season, Memphis can't beat L.A. when Anthony Davis shows up. Period. That's what we have. I think the Lakers are going to win the series. Obviously, I picked Memphis at the beginning, but they're not healthy, and more importantly, they just don't seem like themselves. So I think the Lakers got this series. It could be—I could be wrong—but I think they got it. That means the Lakers against Golden State, of Sacramento. And I ain't gonna lie to you—I'd rather see Steph Curry against LeBron James, but I don't—I ain't ashamed to see Sacramento and De'Aaron Fox against the Lakers. That's just the point that I wanted to point out, y'all think it's important to say. I got a lot more coming up next. I got to talk about this fight Saturday night with Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis. I got to get a little bit into primetime Deion Sanders. And of course, I got to touch on this damn Elon Musk, too. I mean, there's just some, some stuff going on. I just don't understand. But I'll get to it in a minute. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Stephen A. on No Mercy.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who's gon' stop me, high? Who's gon' stop me high?
0: Couple of NBA items that I wanted to touch on before I moved on to Javante Davis and stuff like that. Number one, Julius Randle is shooting like 32% from the field, about 26% from three-point range. He's disgusting me. I'm getting pissed off. I'm getting pissed off. We ain't got time for this. See, this is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. Whatever you were doing during the regular season, do it during the postseason. Don't get into the postseason and all of a sudden forget out of play. You were averaging 25 a game, shooting relatively respectably over above 45% throughout the season. Why you going to fold now? That's what pisses me off. And then you remember two years ago against Atlanta, he shot like 29.8% from the field. He's not ambidextrous. Even when he goes right, doesn't matter what he does. We know he's going to use his left hand. He's a one-armed bandit. Julius Randle is 6'8", fast and powerful. Will you get your ass down in the post, go in the post, drop steps, spin, and put that backside on on Allen and Mobley and handle your business. You can't do that. You can't get him in foul trouble. We don't need this problem, man. We don't need this problem. So I want to point that out. That's point number one. Point number two. Certain series I'm just not interested in. We all know that when Giannis comes back from Milwaukee, they're going to handle their business. And if he doesn't, they'll lose to Miami. With Boston, do we really think that Boston is going to lose this series to the Atlanta Hawks? I don't. Denver and Minnesota. I mean, come on. What do you want me to say? I will say this. Denver looks real. Denver looks real. Jokic, Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. He looked anywhere the way he looked like he was in a bubble the other night when he dropped about 41. I'm telling you right now, Denver's going to be a problem. I'm assuming Phoenix is going to beat the Clippers because, of course, Kawhi Leonard couldn't play games three and four and we don't know if he's going to be available for game five and by the way for people out there that have a problem with what I had to say about Kawhi Leonard and how I would take Kyrie Irving over him kiss off I'm gonna repeat myself Kawhi Leonard is a superstar we're not questioning his abilities. We know how great he is. He's a two-time champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP. The problem with Kawhi Leonard, after blackmailing the Clippers in a mortgage in the farm to get Paul George, threatening to go to the Lakers if they didn't acquire him, getting a max deal, getting helicopters and private jets masseuse, you know, a massage therapy and, and pedicures and manicures. For all we know, they, they clean out his toenails personally. This brother is not available half the time. Him and Paul Georgia played together 22% of the time. He didn't want to participate in the bubble and played like it when it counted. When they were up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets and the Denver Nuggets came back and beat them cuz they didn't want to be there in the beginning in the beginning with Orlando. What I was trying to say, just for clarification purposes to people, about Kawhi Leonard is very simple. He creates no buzz whatsoever and he's not available half the time and he's a member of a team that's in the second largest market in the United States of America and they can't market him so what use is he he is the Absolute worst superstar you can possibly have because he's a marquee that you can't put up as the marquee because you don't know when he's going to be available and he does nothing off the court to market your franchise. How is that difficult to comprehend? Stop acting stupid like you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm not questioning his greatness. We know how great he is, he doesn't market your product. Anybody that would disagree with me about what I just said about Kawhi Leonard just tells me you have no clue about business. None. None. He doesn't market your franchise. He'll give one word answers during interviews, and that's when he grants them. He has nothing to say. They did a commercial for him years ago. I, I don't know if it was the Jordan or it was New Balance or something. And I remember there were kids in the commercial arguing about Kawhi Leonard's greatness. The commercial was for Kawhi, and the only one who didn't speak was Kawhi. You have any idea how ridiculous that is? Go look it up. Do you have any idea how ridiculous that is? That is just dumb. Let me take that back. Not dumb. Selfish. See, I can take the money. But I don't want to do all that it takes to acquire the money. I'm not available at least 80% of the time. Remember, when he got to Toronto, he looked them dead in the face and said, I ain't giving you but 65 games. It's an 82-game schedule. He told him he wasn't giving them more than 65. He never gave them 60. Kawhi Leonard hasn't played 60 games in a season. In four to five years. So he misses at least 25% of the season. And on top of it all, he's hurt during the playoffs. And on top of it all, he does nothing to market your franchise during the season or in the postseason. And he's getting paid 42 million, 45 next year. And he's got a player option a year after that at 48 million dollars. I am not questioning the legitimacy of his injuries. I'm simply saying he ain't worth it because he does not sell and market your franchise. Russell Westbrook makes more news and more noise walking into arena with one of his loud outfits on than Kawhi Leonard ever makes. Oh, and by the way, Russell Westbrook dropped 37 points in a loss to the Suns in game four. And oh, by the way, with the Phoenix Suns, I don't believe you can win the championship with KD averaging over 43 minutes, 43.8 minutes to be exact, and and Dylan Brooks, uh, uh, you know, and Devin Brooks averaging 45, 43.5 minutes a game. You got to play guys on uh, on your bench. You don't play guys on your bench. You ain't going to go to Denver in that high altitude and beat them. That's what I believe. Now let me move on to some boxing (sighs) because I'm quite disgusted. Javante Davis is that dude. 29 0 now with 27 KOs after knocking out Ryan Garcia with a body shot to the liver in the seventh round. Dropped him in the second round, but Ryan Garcia got up, got caught with a straight left. But got dropped, but got up. Javante Davis is that dude. He's something spectacular. And yes, a legitimate argument can be made that he is the face of boxing. You damn right. If Tyson Fury can't get, a, can't get a fight with Anthony Joshua, he's not going to fight Deontay Wilder again. And on top of it all, Alexander Usick. you can't get in the ring with him. Y'all can't come to some kind of accord. Even though Tyson Fury is that dude, damn it, if you ain't fighting, it don't matter. Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, I love both of y'all. I'm done with y'all nonsense. I'm not talking about y'all as individuals. I'm talking about your teams. The fact that a fight can't get done between you two, you ain't Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Money Mayweather. We don't sit around. We can't sit around waiting five years for y'all to get in the ring against one another. Get it together. Get it together. The fact that y'all ain't fighting. Listen, y'all might not afford each other yet. Why ain't y'all fighting somebody? We ain't seen neither one of them in the ring in a while. David Benavidez just beat Caleb Plant. He got a mandatory against Canelo. That's going to be a mega fight. I think David Benavides might be the best in the world because I think he could beat Canelo. But I got news for you. Javante Davis is that dude. A, he's a knockout artist. B, he's got a pariah type mystique with him because of off out of the ring issues and stuff like that. But he backs it up in the ring because he comes in there with bad intentions. He's smart. He's a very skilled boxer. And he's a knockout artist. The Mike Tyson of the lightweight division. That's Javante Davis. Number three, he fights. Every time you turn around, Javante Davis got another fight. So he's active. I got to give love and respect to that brother from Baltimore. He is special. But I want to say this about Ryan Garcia, because I am a fan. And Ryan Garcia, had he won, would have been the perfect face for boxing because he's polished, he's got the look. They would have marketed the hell out of him. And he would have ate it all up and really took it upon himself to market the sport. I got a lot of love for Ryan Garcia, who's got a tremendous future ahead of him. And one loss does not make a career. And believe it or not, it wasn't an awful loss like that. He got knocked down. He got back up. He just got hit with a shot to the liver. Oscar De La Hoya got hit with a similar shot from Bernard Hopkins years ago. And that ended his fight with that. But let me tell you something. I'm so disappointed in Ryan Garcia. I'm so disappointed. And here's why. What happened to your boxing skills? We see you on social media. We've seen you in the ring. You got power in your right hand. You got power in your left hand. You're incredibly accurate, incredibly fast and quick. And all of that went to the wayside. You literally was walking in to Javante Davis. That's how you got caught in the second round. That's how you got caught with the liver shot. What happened to using your jab? What happened to exercising distance? What happened to making him kinda come to you? What happened to that? Why in God's name would you not use your skills? You're you're kneeled over, you're moving forward methodically, no quickness of foot, you're a stationary target, Standing right in front of him, very little head movement. And you're the taller, longer, skinnier fighter. So when you're doing that, you're opening yourself up to a body shot. And then when you swung and you tried to get in the flurries, you were missing. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not saying that Javante Davis would have lost because he's so great. I don't know if this would have worked, but this was Ryan Garcia's best strategy. Box. He came in there trying to knock the great Javante Davis out. And Javante Davis was talking, chirping at him throughout the fight while they were in the ring because he was egging him on to take chances. He hoodwinked them. He made Ryan Garcia more concerned about getting him Instead of doing what it takes to win. That's how Ryan Garcia got caught. That's how he got dropped twice. That's why he wasn't able to get up at the count of 10. He was talking about he couldn't breathe. You were good enough to breathe at the count of 10. You got up as soon as the man said 10 and waved the fight off. You stood right up. You were breathing in. That wasn't about breathing. That was about the fact that you didn't want to get hit again. Because you set yourself up to get hit in the first place. That's what happened to Ryan Garcia. You showed your youth. You were in there with a veteran. And you were a novice. I'm not saying you are a novice. I'm saying you were a novice compared to Javante Davis, who was experienced. He knew. didn't just know how to box better. He knew the mind games and the tricks to play on you. And it worked to perfection, to perfection. Wasn't even a title fight on the line. You begged for this fight, you marketed the hell out of it, you did your job, but you didn't show up in the ring to show your skills. I would have much rather see Ryan Garcia lose using his jab, his quickness and his boxing acumen and losing that way, than not even showing a a shell of the skills you possess. That's what Ryan Garcia did not do. He didn't show any of his skills because he got outsmarted. It might as well have been Ali versus Foreman. With Ali exercising a rope a dope and coaxing Foreman into punching himself out in Zaire in the 70s. It might as well have been that. Because Ryan, Gar- or, I'm sorry, Javante Davis chirping and chirping and chirping and talking junk while exercising his boxing skill. Outsmarted. Ryan Garcia, he made you look like he was on another level up here. And the fact of the matter is he is as a boxer. So it's back to the drawing board. I think Ryan Garcia will be absolutely fine. But you got to do what brought you there. He didn't do that. He fell for the okey-doke and got caught and exposed. (laughs) It ain't just about your speed, your quickness, your ability to jab or having power in both hands. It's about knowing when to utilize the skills that you have and how to utilize it and against whom. Ryan forgot who he was in the ring with. He thought Javante was going to be just just the next guy. He found out something different. Javante Davis is that dude. Plain and simple. Give love and respect where it's due. Other item I wanted to touch on with sports real quick was primetime Deion Sanders. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the new head coach at Colorado, Pac-12. Last year, they had a problem with this spring football game, getting 2,500 people to show up. This weekend, primetime sold out the damn place. 45,000 people showed up. 45,000 people. Prime is that dude. We got people hating on him all the time. Oh, he should have stayed at the HBCU longer. He shouldn't have used them to catapult his career. And all of this other stuff they chirping about, shut the hell up. When he was at Jackson State, he did his job. He won football games, brought attention to his program, and never hesitated to bring attention to HBCUs and the needs that they had in order to elevate the profiles of historically black colleges and universities across this country. On top of it all, you should be rooting for him because if he succeeds, imagine what opportunities that potentially will open up for African-American coaches coaching at HBCUs now. Think about the opportunities that might be available to them in the future. Because if prime time goes and he recruits and all of a sudden he puts Colorado in a national championship picture and they're balling. And you got recruits out the wazoo coming to him. What about the next great HBCU coach who's doing some things in a big time program? Imagine what chances, opportunities they'll be able to get. Think about that. Stop, stop hating on him. Stop worrying about what you feel about him. Look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is the doors he's opening up. The doors of opportunities for future African-Americans who want to coach on the highest levels. If he comes from an HBCU and succeeds in the big, in the PAC 12, God forbid competes for a national championship, makes the college football playoffs, wins the national championship. Do you have any idea what that will do? Do you know what 45,000 people showing up to his spring football game means? Potentially to African-American coaches coming down the pike. Do you understand that Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs are the reigning defending national champions? Colorado was 1-11 last year. And Colorado, because of primetime Deion Sanders, was on ESPN and Georgia was on ESPN too. Pay attention. Think about the big picture. And stop getting caught up. In your altruistic BS constantly thinking about how things are supposed to be done instead of focusing on what's actually working. There isn't a black person alive that should not be rooting for primetime Deion Sanders to succeed. Because whether it's his intent or not, it will open up doors for all of us down the line. And I kind of know the brother, so I know he's thinking along those lines. And his heart is in that place. He wants to open doors for others. It's about the big picture, ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. I don't see too many brothers doing Aflac commercials with Nick Saban. That was him. I don't see too many brothers being on ESPN and relegating the reigning defending national champions to ESPN too. That would be him. I didn't see anybody else's spring game draw 45,000 people. That would be him. Wake the hell up. Elon Musk is next. I got a few things to say about that man. Don't touch that doll. You're listening Stephen A. No mercy. Back with Morning
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me
0: high? One of the things that I want people to do, because I think that <coughs> it really goes a long way towards alleviating stress, because none of us need more stress. Obviously, when you're stressed, it compromises a lot of things. It compromises your spirit. It compromises your energy compromises your attitude, the whole bit. We don't need to be stressed. We can avoid stress. We should avoid stress. One of the things that you need to do to avoid stress is accepting reality when it's staring you straight in the face. So when I think about all of this noise that's being made by people because Elon Musk the new face of Twitter, the owner of Twitter, the man that last October paid $44 billion to purchase Twitter, even though he tried to get out of the deal before he was compelled to get back into the deal and ultimately honor the commitment that he originally made to buy Twitter. This dude. People are in an uproar because of the whole blue checkmark thing, because obviously if you had the blue checkmark text in your name in the past, that means it was authentically you. It wasn't a, somebody that 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 you know hacked your your, your 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 Twitter handle or whatever got a hold of your account. They were it, it it was definitely you. It wasn't a fake. It wasn't a burner account or anything like that. It was you. That's what that check mark meant. And because you had that check mark, particularly celebrities and well-known figures and what have you, was very very important. I had the blue check mark at one time, if I remember correctly. I now got some yellow mark. I don't even know what the hell that means, to be quite honest with you. I didn't buy it. I didn't ask for it. But I'll take it because i hear that it's accorded to businesses, people with business accounts and i definitely have one. But here's the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, according to Musk himself, he purchased it for 44 million. His valuation now shows that Twitter's worth about 20 billion. That's a 24 billion dollar drop off. Of course he's going to try to come up with some mechanation to generate revenue from it. What do you think he's doing? One of, if not the richest man in the world. That's what he's trying to do. Now, has it worked thus far? Hell no. People are in the uproar. They're going off about it. So what? He might change his mind. If you remember one time, he was talking about charging $20 to have that blue check mark next to your name. And then after uproar, he reduced it to $8 a month from $20 a month. And you got people saying, I ain't going to buy it. I ain't going to buy it. I ain't going to buy it. They don't buy it. It's not complicated. What is the news about? I don't want to pay this $8. That's breaking news. That's breaking news. You know, I used to didn't like paying money at the movie theater. Did you know that about me? Let me give you some insight. I actually hated paying $30. You know, $15 for a ticket at the movie theater. Then I spotted iPick. iPick theaters. In case you don't know about it, it's this movie theater with these plush, beautiful seats that recline all the way back, damn near like you're laying in a bed. And you don't have to stand at the concession stand. All you got to do is press a button, and they send a waiter to your seats to take your order, and they bring you your food. You don't have to miss the previews because you're standing online getting the hot dogs and popcorn and soda. You don't have to miss portions of the movie. No, 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 no. You go straight to your seat and they will bring food to you. Guess what? It cost me about $50. Suddenly, I don't give a damn. I'll pay the $50. I'll pay the $50. Hell, it could be a date night for some of y'all. You might look at it as expensive, but to, it might be a cheap date. Hell, I could watch a movie and eat without moving. That appeals to some people. My point is, you want it, you want it. You don't, you don't. We got all of these stories. I'm reading from the slate. I just saw this article in the slate right here. I'm looking at it. It says here from the article, consider the moves Musk has made in the six months he's on Twitter. Buck's ambition is to make Twitter and quote everything end quote app that users get lost in like Instagram or TikTok. For now though, Musk assesses that the company he bought at a $44 billion valuation is now worth $20 billion. He's fired or chased off the vast majority of Twitter staff and slashed infrastructure costs, including those for data centers the company once relied upon. The platform still works its core functionality of publishing tweets, a win for him, but things break a lot. Outages are more frequent. Many users see lots of tweets they don't want to see. There's porn spam in the replies to countless tweets and crypto spam. In direct messages all the time. And the conversion of check marks to a pay product with no relation to authenticity or notoriety has made it harder to identify and curate good information on Twitter. Then don't pay for the check mark. You go to a store, they have a product you don't want, you don't pay for it. You can go on vacation or whatever. Somebody offers you a deal. They offer you a product, whatever. You don't want it. You don't pay for it. What we have to stop doing is getting upset at people who come up with ideas to generate revenue for themselves. That is what a capitalistic society is all about. We want to politicize everything. We want to engage one's moral compass. What are they thinking? Why would they do such a thing? Et cetera, et cetera. You don't want it, don't get it. This is not breaking news. The man brought the damn Twitter, Twitter, he brought the Twitter product for $44 billion. Did you think he was not going to try to make money? I don't understand people. I really don't get it. He's a bit weird. Looks weird. That's his thing. He's always trying to make money. By the way, how many of you have known how to make money as good as Elon Musk has made money? Show of hands. Take your time. I'll wait. Who's been able to make money like him? He might be onto something. For all you know, And if you're talking about notoriety, authenticity, and that check mark, really establishing that for you, I noticed people said they ain't paying the $8 a month. You know what they haven't said? I'm not going to use Twitter. LeBron James was in the news for this. I ain't paying the damn dime. He's worth a billion, by the way. He ain't paying the damn dime. He ain't paying no $8 a month. He didn't say he was going to close the account and eradicate his 52 million followers. He didn't say that. He just said he ain't going to pay the $8. Chrissy Teigen, same thing. He said they ain't going to They gonna say they gonna use the account. The list goes on and on. All I'm trying to say is that, look, is it a good idea? No. Does it seem a bit embarrassing? Yes. Does it seem a bit desperate on this part even? Sure, I don't think it is. But it looks that way. My only words is never sweat people who've made money trying to make more money. It's what they do. It's predictable. As the paying customer, you have the freedom to say yay or nay. If I'm paying attention to anything Elon Musk has done, the reason why he's got a hold of Twitter is because he wants to dictate to some degree or have some form of some form of a manipulative arm in the course and direction of our nation moving forward. Because he was complaining a lot when the elections were taking place. He was complaining a lot about policies that were implemented, policies that were denied, policies that he believed weren't necessarily pro-business at times. He was complaining about all of these things. So he wants to have a stake in the game. And chances are, he picked the time that he picked to get a hold of Twitter Got rid of some of the people he wanted to get rid of so he could bring his own people in all in an effort to make sure that when it really, really counts, he's going to be a major player in dictating and manipulating the course of our nation. It's just a thought. I'm not sure it's true. But neither are you. So all we know. Is that the man tried to throw a ridiculous charge in your way, in your face, that you ain't about to pay for. Welcome to America. Where there's a sucker born every minute that'll purchase something. And I'm not saying if you purchase it, that makes you a sucker. I'm simply saying that's how it goes. Get the hell over it. Pay for it or don't very simple i'm out of here y'all until next time you know what i always tell you you don't have to know sports to know mercy but it always helps to know all that you can we'll talk another time a few days until then peace and love. this has been a presentation of cadence 13 an odyssey company in association with stephen a podcast productions episodes of no mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts